you're going to come back and listen to this and you're going to hear me choking because I'm smoking. Please don't put it in the final edit. I'm worried my students are going to listen to this podcast and yeah. be like, miss. Yeah. Well, actually, what if your students know about your, you know, your queer side hustle? (laughs) No. And like, I've had some tension with like my students, like kind of, that's the thing. They already clock that you're kind of gay, you know? And a lot of them are so in tune with like culture that they're on TikTok. They know what's up. So it's like, I don't want to like beat around the bush if like they already know about it, but then in some weird ways and not even talking about Florida, you're not allowed to really come out and be like fully embrace your flamboyance um, in the workplace. I mean, specifically in teaching, but I've had some experiences in general workplace too. So I don't know. What do you think about that? You and I have both worked in school environments. Um, You know, we were talking about how old is too young to teach them about sexual education in a pleasurable way. So the thing is, when it comes to children and and teaching them about sex and and us being gay or queer adults around the children, like, so it goes back to the idea that queer people are just sexual deviants and like pedophiles and we're not. Like we're, we're just, I'm sorry, this child is not attractive to me. It's a kid. So, um, so I feel uncomfortable. Like I'm Mm non-binary. I am also a bisexual person. I don't, I date whatever gender I'm attracted to all genders. I love when people do, I want to say I'm most attracted to other non-binary or other trans people because that there's something about that personality of like, we're going to fuck around with gender and find out. Like, I find that very, very attractive. But would you say that's more pan? Because like, I don't know, I've kind of subscribed to pansexuality because it's like, it's not male and female that I'm attracted to, but like, I like people who fuck with it, you know, (laughs) who can give you like anything in between or nothing of the sorts. Like I've always thought that was like the definition of pansexuality, but I've also heard like bisexuality means like I'm attracted to the gender I'm supposed to be and everything else. So like, I feel like bisexuality has like a couple of different definitions floating around. Um, And one of them clashes with pansexuality, but maybe like, you know what I mean? Like bisexuality is like the binary and also everything that's not the binary. (laughs) Right. And that is the new accepted term for bisexual. And I like using, but I like using bisexual, even though what I really mean is, is pansexual because I don't like, because any other queer is gonna know that I'm talking about the two or more gender definition of bisexuality. And I don't really talk about my sexuality with straight people. And that brings us back to being queer in a straight workspace that has children in it. So I, again, my identity is non-binary. I am way more comfortable sharing that with my students if it comes up and only if it comes up, like I don't go out of my way to share my gender or my sexuality. Um, and when the students ask me, say, I, I, 
lead the LGBT club. And they're like, miss, are you bi? And I'm like, that's not yours. That's not your business. We're here for you guys. And we're here to support y'all. What I do outside of my job doesn't matter. But something that's really interesting is I think these kids are picking up on, I think people in general pick up on my non-binariness, even though they're not able to use, like they're not, they don't get what they're picking up on. That's why a lot of people like ask me if I'm vegan and I'm like, no, I'm just non-binary. Like you're seeing something different about me, but you don't really know what it is. But the kids, they will call me Mr. by accident. Like, so I have my little, my cute little Mexican kids. It is very typical for them to say Miss or Mr. Like they don't always call us by our full Ms. Aversano The students are doing that same thing where it's like, oh, we're just going to consider you aberrant, therefore, you know, problematic maybe. Whereas like we do that to children too. Sometimes we like say, oh, like we don't understand your gender expression therefore you must be mentally ill like I don't know I like it's absolutely and and when they they call me mister and I I think and I ask them about it and I get this a lot with wait staff in California specifically Hmm. I ask for something assertively like just in my regular voice which is naturally an assertive voice (laughs) yeah stop yelling at me yeah just kidding and they're like (laughs) They're like, yes, sir. I mean, ma'am. And it, and I'm like, I'm not, because I dress femme and I, I present femme. So they're not, it's not the way that I look, but I do think that they are picking up on this assertive side of my personality that they don't associate with femininity. And then they're like, mister, I mean, miss. Also like you take up space. You're not like daintily running into things. You're like, this is my path move. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, um, and, and that's good that's that's great because like more people should be able to move about in the world the way that is comfortable to them outside of what they look like so you can be like the bell of the ball and also be like you know stomping with your sneakers <laughs> it's great <laughs> right and new york women are like that and yeah, so i don't get i don't get clocked I don't get called sir. I don't get called mister in New York with my students. But here in California, I, because California is so cis-normative, I'm, I'm, I, and I'm such a New York woman, like at my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, they, they, I get a lot of mister and I let, a, I get a lot of sir. And it's, it's really, really interesting. Or they, they always apologize after they do it. They seem a little embarrassed. And I'm like, guys, I don't care because like, I think it's. You're like, you're not wrong per se. (laughs) And I think, I think they're starting to pick up on it. One of the girls was like, did you hear that? She doesn't really care. And I was like, I think they're, I think they're getting it because I have a lot of. I have a lot of queer kids here in California. I had a lot in New York, but here I have, I have to close my door. Go for it. Do you hear like the Mexican music playing? (laughs) No, I didn't, but I wish I did. I can see your bottle opener that's like also a penis. (laughs) Is it supposed to be a penis or am I just gay? (laughs) No, it's supposed to be a penis. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to touch a little bit on... So you're saying like your like if your kids asked you like you would say you would like come out and be like it's not your business but so I had a similar situation where 
I was, I was, I was kind of a social worker, but I was teaching a class on, um, they like called it something. Oh, social justice, right? It was a social justice themed, like, <laughs> not me forgetting social justice. As, as the so phrase. <laughs> it, it was like overly coined that I like suppressed it for a while. But anyway, like this mini class we were taking, um, I was teaching it with like some coworkers and it was a bunch of kids, but really it was like an after school program for them to learn about like different cultural values in the world, etc. And so we had themes and one of them was like, keep in mind, this is like 99% black and brown youth who like grew up like more impoverished and, you know, have run-ins with the law so this is like instead of them going to jail they have to go and learn about social justice you know and so we would have a section on like lgbtq like things you know and the way they would freak out the way they would like i don't know just like like holler and everything and like what's interesting is like i was working with another um another person who was on the like non-binary scale, um, you know, and it wasn't clear, but like presented very masculine and um, had better rapport with the children than I did, you know? Um, they were more from the same backgrounds um, and experiences. And so I was there like California boy, like in grad school, just like trying my best, but also like a little more delicate, <laughs> a little more flamboyant, if you will. And so basically they're all like, ho like, you know, hooting and hollering about like how gross it is to be gay. Like it's just the grossest thing ever. And we're like having a hard time kind of like managing the classroom at the time and I just said, I was like, okay, well, if you have any questions about it, I'm actually a gay person. So like, I'm open to like, whatever you like want to say or, you know, discuss. And the way the room like fell silent, like fell silent, there was a couple of chuckles, but it really was like, even like my colleagues were like, why did he just fucking do that? And my supervisor later, like kind of didn't like that I did that um they were like you know like some kids like they really trusted you and they felt like betrayed when you said that and I was like okay like pause first of all like we're there teaching social justice right and we're bringing up the fact that like gay people exist and they're like freaking out and like making all these jokes and like and not saying like you know maybe it was like reactive I was like oh like you know, I'm gonna give them something to react about, but <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I was trying to have transparency with them and also give them a source of knowledge to be like, well, look, like if this is something that you're freaked out about, ask why, you know, like, let's go. So I don't know, it was like a very like controversial choice I think I made and like it was kind of met with pushback from like the organization I was with but I don't know I think I still think I did the right thing like even after the class like this one girl came up to me at the end and she was like hey like you know I'm a lesbian and like that's cool that you did that and then she like scurried off this is a girl who like always sat in the far back you know so 
I mean, if I can like reach one person and have them be like, okay, like I feel kind of seen and like I have um, the support of like an authority figure in the classroom, like, you know, like then I think that's a win. That's a W for me. But at the same time, I was like, kind of disappointed that my organization was like didn't believe in me doing that because I don't know if we're there to teach about social justice that these people exist in the world and like why can't I say that I exist in the world as this person like why am I supposed to be here as this like uh authority figure without actually being a human being you know that's going to this thing that I'm teaching about so we look at Marx and we talk about (laughs) not me like segueing into Marx but the alienation of labor it's like yeah (laughs) Um, we talk about the alienation of labor right that the issue is like when we start doing work for capitalism we like remove ourselves so deeply from like what we're producing and that we forget to take ownership of the production of our labor and our value and that's what gives us power as workers, you know, that that's what lets us dictate and decide where the conversation goes. And so the reason like there's such a clash between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat is that they were able to construct labor as this thing that you separate yourself from that belongs to the higher power. And you're just a tool for that. Right. Instead of thinking like, no, I am the vehicle by which it passes through therefore I have ownership over it and so for me that was a moment to like have ownership over my fucking job you know and be like actually I'm not just gonna be here as like this body in holding space I'm actually gonna be like Aaron Calloway a teacher a gay person we're talking about gay things like let's go like this is me owning my labor you know, and what it means to me, why I'm doing it, and why I want to be able to educate people and not sit there and have it be a laughing stock in a classroom. Like, sorry, like, I'm not gonna, right, I'm not gonna allow this narrative of like, let's just laugh it up at how gross it is to be gay. I'm like, do that in front of a gay person, now what? (laughs) And that's, yeah. So, so you're, the, the Marks, idea is the commodity like not you commodity fetishizing yourself like I think that is a really really interesting yeah. uh point that you're making because as workers in under capitalism we are products our labor is being sold to make somebody else money and so when you when you fetishize a commodity you're completely disconnected with the the means of production that it took to get there right. and the means of production that it took for you to get to that position where you are teaching this social justice class is all of your queer experiences Thank so you're you. absolutely right in that why would you take that completely away from yourself and just be a shell of a teacher. I'm a teacher that I, I'm not a real teacher. I just play one on TV. Like that's exactly. not who we are. Right. So I think, I think it's amazing that you did that. And I, I think that you also said that they, um, that organization was a little homophobic in other areas as well. Right. Yeah, uh, this other colleague I was working with, we weren't doing like the same thing with the class, but he um, was also a gay man, a gay black man. And 
we were talking about painting our nails. I was like, yeah, sometimes I like to paint my nails, whatever. And he was like, oh no, like there are some things for girls to do and not, and for boys to do. And I was like, what is this? I was like, we're both like, come on. Like we're both like the, the two gay black men here. And you're gonna tell me like, I can't paint my nails because that's a girly thing to do. I was just very disappointed with like this entire stuff. <laughs> Oh. And I just don't understand why people get into those positions when like, right. yeah, if you're going to help a bunch of black children, like we are going to like, I, I'm going to talk about that with white kids. I'm going to talk about that right. with everyone because that's the entire point point of us educating these kids is to create a future where they don't, their kids aren't going to have to deal with this. But I just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that it is really interesting. I would talk about it a lot in Brownsville. I would, I was the head of the LGBT club at my school in Brownsville. And um, at one point I decided to lead a professional development for my coworkers in order, because again, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, people of color, cultures of color uh, are just really homophobic and really, really strict with their gender roles. Because if you trace the history of sexism back to its roots and racism, they are correlated. Um, white folks and white scientists in like the 17, 18, 1900s said that the biggest difference and the biggest uh, proof of evolution is that their females and their males look different. And in black communities or in Asian communities or in any other community, indigenous communities, their males and their females quote unquote look alike. And so racism, sexism and gender roles all came from this idea of white supremacy. Yeah. Our people are better than your people because our white women are dainty and frail. Right. Yeah, it's and and so that's where you kind of get these gender roles and why you see communities of color that have historically been oppressed clinging to the gender roles. So your gay coworker was like, mm, I'm not going to paint my nails because historically if you had shown that you were a person of color and existing outside of those gender roles you were just furthering the idea that you were the less superior race in this right. white supremacist idea that gender differences is a sign of uh racial superiority kind of related to that was you know you look at how homophobia is so rampant within the black community. And this is something that like, I kind of struggled with a lot growing up, like with my African-American father is because, you know, it's one thing to have worked so hard to be taken seriously as a human being under a oppressed race, you know? And then once you start being like, okay, I'm also, a homosexual or I'm you know a little queer in whatever way that gets interpreted it starts to hold the movement back a little right it starts to be like oh my god we made it this far now you're gonna make it even harder for liberation and like the issue is that you know white people like we should just be liberated period and it sucks that it starts to work its way within the culture to be like oh you're gonna you're gonna make us all look bad if you're not like, you know, the prototype yeah. of a successful black man. And 
yeah that right. that runs deep it runs deep because families and communities are afflicted by it and they don't even know that that it's it's coming from that idea of like what what pretense are you trying to hold up where you know true liberation and civil rights are about like letting yourself be as free and as yourself as possible and then it ends up just being like how can we be as civilized as the white people want us to be so it's a different form of slavery in my opinion <laughs> respectability okay. politics plays a lot into it and me as a non-black person going into my community in brownsville and teaching my black coworkers. so in this school it was a lot of folks that grew up in brownsville they went to college and they came back and they're teaching and then i was the lone little like beige person bouncing around and i was also like very visibly queer like that was when I would cut my hair you know and 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 wear boys clothes like it was it was obvious that I was coming in to a community being an outlier and so then I did a professional development where I actually was leading my coworkers and understanding more about queerness and it's the queer that I got the three years that I worked there just the more um, ostracized I was when I first started I had a male partner um, and then as the years go by and I'm not with the partner anymore they just got meaner and meaner and yeah. meaner and it had nothing to do with uh, it wasn't just based on um, the, it, it wasn't my race. It was more the que the queerness that I was allowing and bringing into the community. Um, and further, the kids would cling to me. And so my coworkers were not understanding why I was able to have this relationship with my students. And I'm like, cause they're gay. And you're not even look like, you're yeah. not even allowing that thought to enter their minds they don't they trust me and they get to talk to me about things that yeah. they don't get to talk with other adults about so i just found that really i interesting. wish i had um, that i don't know like i again i didn't come out to like college you know but if i was seeing like a confident queer teacher and like having not even like a conversation about gay sex, you know, but just about like same-sex couples can exist. <laughs> just knowing that and having respectability around that, it would have like been a little different, you know, especially coming from a household where that wasn't really allowed for me. It's like as a community, as a society, we owe those children who are maybe living in abusive situations because they're not allowed to be and express themselves. We owe these kind of public sectors to them for them to have this safety and this support system. So right. I don't know. Also, I think about DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida. And <laughs> the, the motherfucker who passed the don't say gay bill. DeSantis is funny because I, I teach ESL like on the side. Um, but also like I help kind of international students get into prestigious English high schools and colleges. Um, and so they have to do these certain programs where they take a very advanced, um, they do like these advanced assignments. So one is logical fallacies. They have to know what a logical fallacy is. And here's the thing. I don't even think I learned that until I was in college, you know, and they have to do that to get into a high school and as a second language. I'm like, okay, work. 
But basically one of the examples was listening to a speech by DeSantis and like clocking all of the logical fallacies that he uses during his campaign. And so the way I've done this assignment twice with two different students, and I'm just like, oh, this guy's a fucking loser. Like he can't even like say, a, you know, a coherent speech without all these errors in reasoning. And then I find out that he's the fucking governor that passed the bill is hilarious to me. And of course that year that he was campaigning, he was up against a black guy and it's Florida. But the way he was, su he's such a bad politician, you know, and that if you, you like- You need to send me that lesson. I will, I, I will. No, it's fascinating how many of the like classic fallacies he uses in his speech and he still ends up winning like what the fuck I love that I want to circle back go ahead I want to circle back to uh the you know the identifying yourself as a queer person with children like at in a work environment mm -hmm. um and this this really goes back to the idea of um hyper hyper sexuality of queer people and how that yeah. is projected onto us because yeah. we don't necessarily enjoy sex or do sex things more than any straight people. I mean, I um, do. I'm a horny bastard, but yeah, you're that's yourself. that's <laughs> like I know lots of quote unquote straight guys or straight gals that are just as horny and like yeah. and I'm kind of a prude, which is really funny because I'm a queer prude. Like it, it's a fallacy <laughs> in and of itself. Um, no, but it's funny because like you don't exist as a prude really. Like you are able to have like hardcore sexual conversations. You like bring up things, but then like actually you're like a little bit vanilla, like sexually. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, like a blast, but it is funny. <laughs> that is, that is my Christian, my wasp upbringing I, I very am I'm very good at compartmentalizing things and talking about things logically where yeah. in my like the emotional side is like for besties like nobody yeah, really gets totally. to see that but um but it really brings up this this hypersexuality of of queer people where if I say that I'm queer I am now inviting you to think of all the sex things that I do but yeah. if a guy at work is talking about how his like something about his wife that's completely non-sexual I'm not immediately like hmm I wonder what positions they do in bed right. like I don't when when a, when a straight person brings up their wife or that straight people are like we're trying for a baby. Like you can't say that in front of kids. Right, like, like <laughs> why are you talking about your sex in front of a child? Cause sex is how you get babies. And you're like, me and my wife are trying for a kid. Like, I don't want to hear about that because I don't want to hear about your sex, your straight people sex. Like that's not interesting to me. And that's not like, if, if we're, if we are demonizing gay people for just being like, oh, me and my, my wife, and you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with you mentioning your wife, then I'm uncomfortable with you mentioning your wife. Yeah. Like we can't have these double standards. The other thing about that is like with the don't say gay bill, it's like, what if your parents are a same sex couple? You know, what if that is yeah. your, your truth? And so you can't even talk about your parenthood or your house, like your upbringing, your household with all these things you do in school, where it's like talking about your family tree, like you can't draw two dads. Like the implications of this bill are just like beyond me. It's like not even considering like the reality. That's what I mean. It's so like black mirror 
where it's like, first of all, you're going to raise a fucking generation of idiots, <laughs> of fucking ignoramuses. Right. Or is it like ignorami, if it's plural? I'm not sure. Yeah, ignorami. <laughs> I like that one. Um, That's a good one. Right? Yeah. And so then I have, also, I have a friend. Go ahead. I have a friend that works in Florida. She's a teacher in Florida. And, and she's like, if it, it's, I, I feel like it's political theater. I feel like obviously there are going to be very serious repercussions for trans kids and queer kids oh, yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. In if an emotional anything, it's theater. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just, um, it, it is just, cause there's no way to really enforce any of that like that it's not an enforceable law yeah it just at the end of the day there's no way to enforce uh a, a policing people's well it's fascism life, life. it's like modern fascism like it's nothing yeah. but that like don't say certain words like and then we live in a country that's supposed to be about free speech it's like yeah. girl you're tipping the line florida you've always been the tip but now you're tipping the line america's <laughs> penis yeah America's straight penis. <laughs> yeah, it's just too, yeah, get that. I let it fall into the ocean. Like, come on. Okay. Love you so much. I'm going to go watch okay, the finale you. of Drag Race. And Ooh, you, okay. And then we'll dish. We'll dish. Maybe that's our Have next fun. one. It can be like a nice recap yeah. of Drag Race, like in general. Okay. Oh, okay. wait. The, the superstar season, like the all, all stars. <gasps> yeah so i think next next time we're gonna have to dish about drag yeah, race because there's we i mean the fact that you and i i think about sasha velour's flowers like maybe every other day yeah <laughs> we're there like seeing it live was yeah. like yeah. iconic so we gotta yeah. talk about it all right love you love you babe. bye bye